Welcome to the School Genie podcast. I'm Georgina Newton, one of the co-founders of School Genie, and I'm here with my colleague Jeannie Davies. We've worked in education for over 40 years between us, and we think that teaching should be the best job, yet so often it's not. So we set out to find out why and to do something about it. So whether you're a senior leader, well-being champion, member of support staff or a newly qualified teacher, this podcast contains what you need to know about building trust in your school. Okay, um, Jeannie, welcome. This is another of our break time chats. Um, so we're working on the model of the trust that's um, talked about in, the, in your book, The Trust Revolution for Schools. And today we're going to talk about the, uh, the preconditions of, or one of the preconditions for building a trust-based culture. And um, we'll take them in order. So today we'll talk about the ability to speak openly um, and how, how necessary that is in school. Now, we know that one of the enemies of speaking openly is time and that often we end up just in a time poor environment in school. But that doesn't mean that saying an important message isn't an important thing. To, to, be, to be done because if, it's, if it is important and it isn't shared with the team, then the team becomes weaker for not having that knowledge kind of in the midst of it. But you talk in the book about what, um, why speaking openly is so important. Um, so would you like to talk us through some of, um, some of your thinking around that and what you've discovered in, from your work in schools? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, freedom of speech is fundamental. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And sometimes I used to kind of sit in schools and think, I think we might be contravening the Human Rights Act here, you know? What is it, you know, be able to speak openly yeah. is absolutely, you know, there. It's, it's a human right. Yeah. Um, but then with rights become responsibilities. Um, and so I think, you know, being able to speak openly is something that actually we need to talk about and be trained in to, to because it's not easy. Um, and it's interesting what you say about time. I'm fascinated in time. Time for me is a proxy, really, for what you value. Yeah. So nobody, uh, well, I'm not saying nobody, but most people, um, you know, find the time to clean their teeth, go to the toilet, to do those things through the day, because those are things they value, they need to yes. do. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not in any way, shape or form assuming this idea that in schools we don't have time. Time is hugely pressured. But usually when we start to say, I don't have time for that, it's saying I don't value that. Yeah, so where does that sit within this? Mm. I think valuing open speech is is it is, is the thing really in in, in schools um, because otherwise we end up in a situation where we can um, start to behave really unethically or things do not come out within a school environment. I mean, what I've found really um, in school cultures are there there's sort of four key blocks to being able to speak openly. Mm. The first is if hierarchy is really palpable. You know, this idea that um, a, it becomes so, so cumbersome or unclear, you know, that the message can't get through. You can't actually find the people to speak openly to. And that happens a lot, you know, when, when roles aren't defined, you're not sure quite who is your, even your line manager in any situation. You know, schools are bizarrely complex places where you can end up with your line manager, you know, under you in your department, you know, yes. You know, all this sort of thing, yes, yes. Uh, but also this over regard for deference within um, hierarchy that I cannot say this to you because you are the boss or you can't hear this. And actually, some of us have more of a, a regard for hierarchy than others mm. within our personality typing, naturally. Um, 
So being able to structurally say things is important. And that has to be said within school. You know, I might be your boss, but I want you to tell me these things, you know. And I've seen this done really well in some schools, you know, where uh, one head I work with would, would go to people and say, I'd like you to come within this week and tell me something I don't know about this school. And I don't mind whether or not you think it's something that is not great or is fantastic. But you, I want you to tell me this. Mm, that's um, so that, that, that's the first, I think, really, this idea of, of hierarchy. Ego is the second, you know, this idea that, um, uh, you know, I want yes people around me. You know, I don't want to hear anything bad because it makes me feel bad about myself. If you if you're coming up against somebody's ego um, or you're feeling that they won't, and 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 this an ego comes around for lots of different reasons. It's not because just people are kind of full of themselves. It's often because if you if you're a manager or a leader, you start to feel like you have to know, and therefore if somebody points out something that you don't know, then that means that you you are decimated and you're thinking about yourself. So, ego is hugely mm. complex but when it's really present and we all know when we've been around people where we just can't say things we feel we can't say things that becomes a, a massive block mm. the third's an interesting one it's the protection of others and i think this happens a lot in schools and it links this idea of um uh, what's known as the corruption of care this idea that you won't say things to other grown-ups that you work with other staff in the school because you feel like it will hurt them yeah and or indeed it will it will have some detrimental effect on your relationship and therefore you don't go there and this comes from an interesting um case study that was done in the nhs all back in the 90s oh, yes, yes. Um, and um this idea that um i think it was in intensive care units at that time death rates for some in some rising a consultancy went in had a look and what they found was unwittingly the staff were protecting one another because they did not want to upset each other so i might see that jack hasn't done the medicines quite right today but i don't actually want to say anything about that because sometimes he can be defensive or we're going out later for a drink and i don't really want them to be bad feeling and so the medicines wouldn't be done properly and people might die or become more sick and this happens a lot in schools i think because full of nurturers wanting harmony don't want to upset one another mm. and therefore we don't sometimes point out things or talk about things that might make the other person feel uncomfortable uh, but would actually have a positive impact on children and we know this every person i imagine who's listening to this podcast has had that situation or knows of that situation where it's not pointed out that this isn't happening or all that information isn't shared and therefore i don't know the children don't get the quality of teaching and learning they might do and the fourth and final block and i'm sure there are many but the fourth and final one that i talk in it is about historical baggage you know how previously have we been um what, what previous experiences we had around open speech you know have has somebody um weaponized open speech you know in front of a lot of other people and tried to take us down in front of others mm. that's quite frightening yeah. um you know have we spoken out before and there's a tumbleweed and everyone looks away and nobody wants to talk about it and suddenly we're isolated on our own yeah in a family dynamic when we grew up was it less said soonest mended we sweep it all under the carpet you know what is our approach our natural way of being and of course yes. you know what's the personality type do we hedgehog with any conflict or you know are we out there kind of all guns are blazing and getting shot down 
complex lots around it so you can't just go to school and say right you've got to start speaking openly we need to look at these blocks but certainly just even by the looking of it things change and shift hugely yeah absolutely and those those things when you think about it they're all kind of connected to power aren't they yes um the power of the hierarchy the structure the personal power around ego and the shell um, you know, that self-defense mechanism. And then the power of the voices that come in your head with the historical baggage, you know, and what credence you give to those voices and how much you're prepared to believe them to lock you up and stop you from speaking openly. Um, and then also the protecting others, you know, that's almost, as you say, the corruption of care. It's that uh, when nurture goes a little bit sour and turns into um, exerting power over other people. So, so actually you know one that i guess the the overarching title there is it's it's our attitude to power that that stops us from speaking out or stops us from receiving messages when they're when they're spoken out plainly which which is interesting so actually is the opposite of power humility in this case i think so yeah yeah vulnerability it's vulnerability yeah and that actually is the most powerful place to be to be able to to open yourself up and talk about these things and but but what it's also important is is it's an equalization of the power and the, yes. the way that you catalyze this in a school or i suggest you do is through the model of the zood the zone of uncomfortable discussion and this is, this sounds like a model of a powerful model anyway it sounds oh like the zood is absolutely cleaner yeah <laughs> quite i mean yeah <laughs> nothing can withstand the zood um so the zood is is, is standing on it's the shoulders of giants of uh professor cliff bowman who back in uh, you know um uh decades ago really now um did work with teams and found that it was only they only became really productive when they got into this zone of uncomfortable discussion they started to talk about the elephant in the room and we all know when we're there usually we want to get out of it as quickly as possible that that uncomfort that discomfort and i talk about this idea of the comfort paradox you have to get uncomfortable to become comfortable yeah otherwise you're just suppressing what you know and it leaks in other ways so we all know what it's like to sit in a meeting and somebody's suggesting something that we think oh i don't think it's going to work it's not going to be here we've seen this before but if the mm. ego is present or hierarchy we might not say it we might just think oh just leave it i don't i don't want to mention this um we all know what it's like when we we can see a missing piece of information that we think we should know but actually it takes energy and time and actually how do we articulate that and how do we influence and get people to understand and i mean the zood's inter interesting in the sense that if you look at you know some terrible examples of when the zood hasn't been used you know um like the jimmy savile case you know people did not stay in the zood about what happened people knew to some extent what was happening or felt those things they didn't get into the zood you know without this it, it, we can really become unethical and really really awful things can happen if we cannot be uncomfortable with each other mm. and often i say you know well i say because i heard it on the train when we were using trains about a year ago 
I was sitting behind two people and talking and one of them said, you know, you know, the thing I like about Barry is you can get into a meeting and you can really have it out with him. You can really talk about what you need to do. And then you get out of the meeting and you can go for a drink with him and everything's fine. And I thought, yeah, I really like Barry as well because it's about <laughs> knowing. Like this is about we like Barry. Professional conversations. Yeah. Um, our professional conversation there is no personal agenda it's about everybody getting what they need on the table and then we can talk about that yes and then we're all still okay with each other so it's not undermined our professional relationship or our working relationship or the way we might relate to each other outside of work either it's been a healthy thing I'm looking forward to hearing more about the zoom to discussing this more in another in another episode of the podcast thank you very much um, we'll be back with more of the preconditions for the catalyzing a trust culture in another episode soon. Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the School Genie podcast. While you're here, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a message or rate and review the show too. And if you post a question, tips or insight, we'll be happy to incorporate it into a future edition. If you'd like to know more about the trust revolution in schools, that's Jeannie's book, or how to be or get a school genie in your school, then go to our website, www.schoolgenie.co.uk. See you next time. Bye.